in Ukraine, where Joseph Lindsley is, and uh, Joe, I'm sure you have some things to say about Putin's speech today. I, I couldn't believe that he actually said Ukraine started the war. Yeah, Bob, good afternoon from Kharkiv. Uh, we just finished an air alarm, which started not long after that speech, but everything is calm uh, here at the moment. You know, listening to his words, it's like listening to sort of an alcoholic spouse or a serial killer or a kidnapper. You know, just sort of and, and uh, you know, just denying the reality and saying, oh, everyone loves living, uh, you know, under my uh, authority. Uh, he even spoke about uh, the people, the Ukrainians in occupied territories. And he when they had the staged votes uh, in, in the regions that Russia was trying to take over. And he said, you know, he praised the bravery of the people who sided with the motherland. And there's this, and then he even said he said this, this is a quote. People have the right to live the way they want. Uh, which is ex- that is exactly the principle of the Ukrainians. And so Putin repeats these ideas while actually living in an, you know, sort of executing the opposite reality. Uh, and th- th- this is this is why, you know, he, he's a master of propaganda, uh, taking the truth, truth and totally uh, inverting it. And uh, it's and and most and the speech was hours long. In fact, uh, hmm. it was a combination of, I'd say, maybe half of it was uh, Russia is the victim, the West is trying to, you know, everyone's trying to cross Russia. And and then, uh, and you know, just as I, I, I was sitting listening to it, and then I, I went for a run here in, in Kharkiv, and I'm crossing um, uh, through a park, and there's a concrete splotch in the, on an on otherwise blacktop uh, pathway. And I, I realized, because you can see the little holes from shrapnel around that concrete splotch, that was where a, a, a missile had hit, the Russian missile had hit in the park, and the Ukrainians just cleaned it up. And this is the difference between sort of the victory mentality and then the victim mentality of Russia. So here we have Russia that is causing all this damage and fear and destruction and putting the whole world at unease and killing Ukrainians. Uh, and Putin gives this hours long speech claiming to be the victim. Uh, and, and you see there, I think, really the poison of that type of that manner of thinking. It's the same thing if you look at the story of Adolf Hitler. You know, he was, you know, when he was a kid, I guess he wasn't happy he didn't get into art school. And his whole life became a story of him as the victim. And it's very much the same with, with Vladimir Putin. And then the rest of the speech was ignoring reality, talking about all of the good things he's doing uh, for the Russian people. And so really trying to portray himself as something that, that he's not, except for there, there was one line at near the end that uh, was very chilling because it was very, uh, I think maybe the only thing he said that was really uh, from the heart and accurate. He said, the single highest right of anyone, and I, see, I guess he was referring to the Russian people, is the right of Russia to be strong. And when I heard, when I heard that, I got chills because that really is his ideology. That would, that's what drives him. It's this, it's this kind of Nietzschean idea that I will conquer everyone. And that's really what his speech was about. And that's what this war is about. And, you know, if you think about the uh, the same week, uh, nine years ago from this week, uh, the Ukrainians succeeded after standing in standing in the streets for months. They succeeded in kicking out the pro-Russian regime regime from Kiev. Uh, that's called the Revolution of Dignity or Maidan, which is the name for the public square. And you, you, you see in that revolution, it was a remarkable thing. The Ukrainians insisted on being free and this is this is the continuation of, of that battle uh, for eight years. They were able to live in relative freedom and prosperity. And now Russia is coming to take that away from them. And and, and that's exactly. And, and, and there was no in, in Putin's speech. There's no talk of freedom or liberty because that doesn't exist in the Russian mindset and the Russian mentality. 
Joe, I wonder if there are some cracks in the propaganda machine. I was reading about a former Russian military officer, uh, a prominent military blogger by the name of Igor Gurkin, and he criticized Putin's speech. Uh, he said it failed to address some of the failings of the invasion of Ukraine. And this is this is the guy who played a key role in Russia's annexation of Crimea in in 2014. So I'm I'm thinking, is this maybe a, a sign that uh, Putin's propaganda is not working as well as it once did? You know, Bob, it's always hard to know because I think the the one I mean the Russians are you know they they've this going back to their times in the Soviet days and even before uh, very adept at propaganda and they put a lot of effort and energy into it even even sometimes by many accounts uh, putting out sort of fake dissent to make it look like oh we do have healthy criticism uh, so it it really is hard to know but I, I think you know any. I mean, I think one indication of this is you look at what's been happening in Iran and you've seen uh, Iranians uh, outside of Iran around the world uh, have been protesting uh, against the regime in Tehran. They've been protesting in favor of Iranian women in Berlin, in New York. And after one year of Russia's war in Ukraine and the whole world has been involved in this, how often do we see protests from the people who've left Russia abroad? And and Mm -hmm. we just don't see that. Uh, It's just not part of. Of, of, of the culture. And that's why there's this clash between, I mean, and Putin was saying, you know, that Ukraine is, you know, basically Ukraine doesn't exist. He was saying, you know, Ukrainians are part of Russia. The main thing, I mean, there's many things that divide them. There, I mean, you could say language, but there are many, like here in Kharkiv, people speak Russian. The thing that, that the main thing that distinguishes the Ukrainian psyche and soul from the Russian is that the Ukrainians deeply want to be free. They're fiercely free and independent. Uh, and as a friend of mine said, you know, in, in Russia, it's it's the government. In Ukraine, it's the people. And, that re- and I, I think we have different variations of that throughout the world. But between these two countries, I don't think you can have a starker contrast. Russia is all about the czar or Putin, the, the, the one guy in charge. And everything else is submissive to, submissive to that. And Ukraine is wilder. It's all about the individual and the family and the community uh, separate from the government. And, and this is the class that we see before us now. Talking about the culture, I know, uh, Joseph, you've been aware of the controversy here, the backlash against the Joffrey Ballet in Chicago uh, because they're putting on the ballet of a Russian novel. Uh, what, what do you think of that, uh, of, of, the, of the backlash they're getting for that? Because, they're, yeah, they're putting on a version of Tolstoy's Anna Karenina. And, you know, in some sense, it would be like, you know, Hitler was a big fan of Wagner, right? And it would be like during World War II having a, a Wagner concert. So you could see how that could cause some problems. Uh, Ukrainians right now want to reject anything, you know, Tchaikovsky, uh, any art, music, anything from Russia, which is completely understandable. And I've thought about this a lot. I mean, one of my favorite writers when I was studying at Notre Dame was Dostoevsky. And uh, Nietzsche said that Dostoevsky was the best psychologist, and uh, he really went deep into the soul of humans, but also deep into the Russian soul. And in fact, when I uh, escaped my time working in New York for News Corporation, I I spent one week reading the book Demons by Dostoevsky. And he talks about in the 19th century, radical people in Russia who sought to control the government. And they were radicalized because they were not happy. They didn't have good family structure. They weren't. They were surrounded by, uh, you know, there was there was something like a sickness in the society, a loneliness, loneliness and an isolation. And so Dostoevsky called this book "Demons." And and I think, as as much as Ukrainians don't want to look into some of that literature, and I think Tolstoy 
which the Joffe Ballet was going to put on, uh, glorifies Russia a bit more. But I think looking at Dostoevsky, we might be able to see uh, why we're faced with, uh, you know, what, what is the soul of Russia that maybe needs to be fixed? And in fact, after Putin's speech today, the uh, Polish prime minister said that Russia has summoned the worst demons of 20th century imperialism, colonialism, and nationalism. And so he used that same word, uh, demons. And, and, and so maybe in some Russian literature, we can kind of look toward an answer as to you know, how we got to this point. Uh, I, I, I think there's, uh, you know, and I, this is a question for Americans too, you know, what kind of literature defines us? Does it define us? Does it challenge us to be better? And, and this is a question for Russian society. Do they have art in Russia that encourages them uh, to live freely, to, to challenge the government uh, and, and to live more noble lives? And Ukrainians right now say their answer is no, uh, Russia lacks this and let's try to avoid it, at least until there's Ukrainian victory. We should point out Tolstoy very much anti-war. Uh, Joseph, you make us smarter here every morning. Appreciate it as always, and we'll talk again tomorrow. Hope you have a peaceful day. Thank you, Bob.